0: pray it with me. Do it again, Lord. Amen. 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 Oh, please take your seats. It's great to see you today. I am doing a little bit of teaching on belonging and on relationships. And for some of us, that is so hard. And yet for some of us, we're at a level where we've got enough relationships in our lives. We're maxed out to capacity. We don't want any more friends. Thank you very much. We don't want to learn any more about belonging. But you know, one of the greatest witnesses of the church is that the the Lord said in the upper room, it isn't by your preaching. It's not by your, your singing. It's by your love one for another that all men will know that you're my disciples. So belonging and being together in relationship, not just in the church, but in all of the world, is really important. How are your relationships today? If you think about it, for those of you who, who might struggle in this area, I just want to say to you that you're already in lots of roles that mean lots of relationships. For instance, for some of you, you're a mom, you're a, you're a wife, you're a friend, you're you're, you're a role at work, whatever that is. You're a carer, you're an aunt. Some of us feel like our lives have so many hats. Let me just ask you, do you feel like you're wearing too many hats, spinning too many plates, got too much in your life? Don't say amen. Just, just hold it in there. But some of you are going, you know what? He, what, what is going on? Every time he speaks, he speaks about me. I think what we all want is intimacy, to know and to be known. We all want a sense of somebody values me, somebody cares for me. And that's really important. But what we have to understand is, and this is where we've been hurt, we have to understand that you're going to need a multiplicity or a a varied amount of different types of relationships in your life. If you've got a Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 2, and I'll read a few verses there in a moment. But some of us have given up on relationships. Some of us want me to get back to preaching about other things other than belonging because we've given up on it. We've given up on it because we've been hurt. And we're actually... We've been hurt in one type of relationship. So we've given up on the whole lot. Not realizing that you as a person have many different roles and lots of different relationships that can help heal that hurt that you've given up on. There was a a man one time, he's driving down the road, he's driving in his car and he takes the corner a little bit too fast as does a woman coming the other way. And they have a head-on serious crash wrecking both cars. Miraculously, both of them are unharmed. And they both crawl out the wreckage, absolutely, totally destroyed each other's cars. But they both crawl out the wreckage and go, we're alive. And the woman looks at the man and says, do you think, that this is a sign that we should be together that God protected us and made us meet in this miraculous way by the way, I don't recommend this as a dating technique (laughs) It's it's amazing and the man says, you know I do God's brought us to this moment so we could meet in this unusual way we are meant to be together. She says, "It's a miraculous thing. My car is completely wrecked, as is yours, but look at this. The bottle of wine in my car isn't broken at all. Maybe this is a sign that we should celebrate our newfound love. So So she hands it and says, and he says, "I totally agree." Let's celebrate our newfound love. So she hands him the bottle of wine, he unscrews it, and he's so excited, he drinks half of it down and hands her the bottle and she screws the cap on. And he says, aren't you having any? She says, no, I'm just going to wait till the police arrive. (laughs) For some of you, you've been dealt a cruel blow from some people. They've tricked you. They've manipulated you. And you have shut down in your capacity to belong to anything. Because some people have been a bit devious with you. They've shut you down. And therefore, you're very precious about who you give yourself out to. And maybe quite rightly so, but I believe, that God wants to open you up to the right relationships and you are in them anyway. Many of us are stuck in looking at one type of relationship. We want a best, 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 best friend. And we've stopped belonging to anything because we're not getting one type of relationship. And we judge our belonging by that one success in one type of relationship. But you're going to need lots of different types of relationships at varying types of intimacy in order to feel like you belong but also to express yourself properly as a person. The Apostle John wrote to the early church to the, and he actually told all of them that they had a good purpose in helping out the church. Are you there in 1 John chapter 2? Look at verse 12. He has categories of different people. And he says to them that they were all friends, but because of their differences, they were valuable to each other. 1 John 2, verse 12, he says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on the account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know know him who is from the beginning. And I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. All of them had forgiveness. They were all counted as children. I want to say to you today that the basis of all your belonging is because Jesus has forgiven you or wants to forgive you. It's not about your personality. It's not about your background. It's on the basis says, I stand here forgiven as you sit there forgiven. Can somebody say amen? The second thing that John says is some of you are fathers. Some of you are fathers and you know God. You've known him from the beginning. And when people look at you, they go, yeah, you know God. And as you grow in your Christian life, wouldn't you like to be that way? That when so-and-so's in the house, we know that God's here. And yet, as I get older, you know one of the most encouraging things to me it's that younger people who are living it and battling and overcoming, you, you get so much encouragement by that, where you start thinking, Woof, I think the church is going to be safe. Look how great these young people are, because they're overcoming the evil one. And John actually repeats himself and says, because the word of God dwells in you and because of your testimony, you're overcoming. You see, Everybody at no matter which age has a a role to play in relationships. Everybody has the role to either give something or learn something no matter how old or young you are. This week I got taught by some younger people how to use Instagram. I didn't know how to do it. And uh, you know they were very kind to me, they told me which buttons to press. So now I'm on Instagram. I don't know what that's going to do for me, but anyway, it was a good lesson. But can I make a serious point about young and old teaching each other? Because actually, in the spiritual side of things, the Bible says the old men will dream dreams. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, younger people will see visions. And so it isn't just that younger people teach us about Instagram and Facebook or Snapchat or Tinder or wherever you find your relationships these days. Actually, younger people need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can have visions from God. Because the Bible says without visions we all perish. And it's up to us older people to hear what visions are being laid on the heart of the younger I'm just saying, as far as belonging goes, it's not about personality. It's about what God has done in your life and what He is doing in your life. So why don't you ask God and invite God to do some things in your life? Then you're going to begin to belong. I want you to understand something about relationships. There are three key things that are really important. First of all, your relationships will be shaped by which season of life you are in. You'll have different functions in different seasons. Older people might learn different things from younger people. Younger people might learn different things from older people. But as your seasons change, so do your relationships. I have met so many Christians who say to me, do you remember when? And they've never moved on from the golden age of whenever when was. But as season changes, your relationships change. Some get deeper, some change. But some move closer and move you closer to where what God has been speaking to you for a long time second thing about relationships is you not only are they in seasons but there's also a sea of relationships around you many many relationships and you're almost baptized into a web of relationships and some people don't understand that some relationships are close some relationships are not as close, but they're still as valid. Think about Jesus' life. Jesus, even with the twelve, had an inner three. Peter, James, and John. Then he had the twelve. Then he had seventy-two coalesced around him. And in fact, some people say, at, uh, and then there was hundred and twenty at the day of Pentecost. Who were they? Then there was 500 that saw him at the resurrection time. Who were they? And then he talked about the crowds, that he had compassion on them. But you know, with Jesus, when he was in a crowd, he was always approachable. Do you remember when the disciples, always, they were always rebuking people for bringing people to Jesus. And he seemed to be able to say, even though I'm in this crowd, I can still have relationships with these little children, these blind people. This woman who had an issue of blood felt that she had the confidence to go and touch him. You see, some of us talk about a large church or talk about large crowds as if relationships don't exist. Your relationships will exist if you accept they're just different at different times. You'll have seasons in your relationships. I wonder if you've only got time for your family. That may be appropriate for a season, but then you may need to adopt some other people into your sphere. I wonder if you can understand you're put in a sea of relationships, and everybody in that sphere needs you. Maybe not to be bestie, bestie friend, but they need you. And lastly, the thing about relationships is there's a setting to your relationship. The setting of your family is a lot different than the setting of your work. I don't walk around in my vest at work. I don't. Well, I do. It's under my clothes. But in my family, Kathy has the pleasure sometimes of seeing me in my vest. Some people want just one type of relationship and don't understand That different relationships in different settings will call for different levels of intimacy. The key to remember is that just because we all want intimacy doesn't make other relationships that may be a bit more formal invalid. God has a purpose for them. So I want to teach you a little bit about how you can learn to to be a belonger and about belonging. And to meaningfully make progress in the art of relationships. You see, because I'm burdened about people today. I think that today we're more isolated than we've ever been. Even though we're more connected than we've ever been. Some of the most important lessons you can learn is to learn to belong. There's a lady one time and she's hoovering her house. And I feel for some of them, because you like Chippy the parrot. Chirpy parrot, always singing. But as a lady's hoovering her house, she has one of these phones, you know, that flash a light when it's ringing as well. And she thinks to herself, oh, I'm just going to hoover out the parrot's cage. And as, as she's just doing that really carefully, and Chippy's on his perch... She gets a bit distracted by the phone ringing and she lifts the nozzle up, Chippy goes down the nozzle into the, into the, into the vacuum cleaner and she goes, what? She undoes the bag, you know it's a Dyson so it's expensive so he doesn't get hurt. And anyway, undoes the Dyson and Chippy's covered in dust and everything. She thinks, I can't leave the parrot like that, grabs the parrot, turns on the tap, puts him under the tap, washes all the dust away and Chippy's like, Choking, spluttering, she thinks, oh no, he's all wet now. So she gets out the hairdryer sh- sh- and just completely dries him off. And he's a bit flumped up and she places him back on the perch. And he just stares. And her husband comes home from work and Chippy's just staring. And he says, I don't know what it is, he used to sing lots, but now he just stares at us. That's like you. You've had some shock. You've had some things happen. And now you've shut down. Nobody's coming in. You're not who you designed to be. You're not acting out of what you really are. Because you've had Some unfortunate things happen. And with all of us, belonging in the church is often reduced to a nice idea of what should happen, but don't you get past this drawbridge, Pastor Mark. The first way you can learn belonging is often we start with the question is, who am I like and who will like me? Or what common interest do I have with some people? And when people come to church, they often say something like this, are these people like me? And will they like me? And the answer to that is, no, they're not. And yes, they can. You see... If you think about it, did you choose your university place by, or your university course by asking, I'm going on that course because everybody on that course will like me and they are like me? Did you choose your job by saying, I'm going to get my job in this workplace because they like me? No, you didn't. You chose a job or a university course because of the mission of that job or the job itself. You didn't choose it because people like you. It's the same with church. Don't keep saying, well, I'm only going to join in if they like me. It works the other way around. As you get involved in the mission, as you get involved in what we're doing, then as you begin to belong by just saying, well, I just believe in what they're doing, then people start liking you. Now, of course, we are to love each other. And of course, if you just open the Bible and only look at the Bible and try and decide what church is, you won't escape the massive truth that we are to love one another. And so, of course, there will be people who have common interests, common likes. But I would wish and hope that we could be a bit more biblical than that. Is anybody else with me? That actually we learn to love people who are not like us. Oh, that went down like a lead balloon. That we could begin to love people even though they are not like us by the love of Christ in us constraining us. The first way you can learn to belong is belong to the mission. Belong to what we're trying to do. And God will begin to create clusters of friends around you. The second thing is, to learn to belong, there's also some biblical bedrock attitudes that we need to run through all of our relationships. You see, we often go into relationships seeking to be allowed in. But instead of thinking to ourselves, no, there's a giving in belonging that we need to give. And through all of our relationships, we need to learn, and you can look at this through the book of Ephesians, we need to learn that our relationships need to be loving. As God loved us, we love others. Our relationships need to be truthful. We speak the truth in love. Our relationships, we need to be helpful. Let's bear one another's Um, seek the peace of each other in the the spirit of unity let's be kind be kind and compassionate Ephesians says forgiving one another just as Christ has forgiven you you see some attitudes go through all of our relationships and one of the things that the Bible says is that we are to be a positive encourager Kathy and I have got an internet radio station that we love listening to and it's called Positive Life Radio you wouldn't believe I'd listen to a station like that, would you? You see, I don't listen to uh, miserable life radio or negative life radio or cynicism life radio. I tune in to positive life radio. A friend when you need it. That's what it says. That's their jingle. We often use Hebrews 10, as, a, as a as a thing about coming to church. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together or meeting together. But actually, the latter half of that verse is not just about church meetings. It says uh, that we are to encourage one another whilst it is still day because you know that the Lord is coming. In Ephesians, at the end of Ephesians, Paul said, I'm sending to you Tychicus. And the only reason I'm sending him to you is so that you can know how I am and I can know how you are. There's no other big spiritual reason. So that we can be positively encouraged. All of our relationships need the attitude of giving and receiving. So if you want to belong, start thinking what attitudes flow through my relationships? Am I loving? Am I kind? Am I helpful? Am I truthful? Am I positive? Am I a giver? And Do I also open myself up to receive? If you're going to learn belonging, and I'm going to kind of come into land in a few moments, because talking about relationships is thoughtful and it's difficult for some people. There's a template that you need to put into your life about your relationships. And this template is basically that you need three types of relationships in your life. And the first relationship is this. You need somebody who will inspire you. You need an authority person in your life that inspires you. Now, I'm not just talking about podcasts and blogs, even though they are important. I believe that you need an actual person in your life. Like Paul said to the Corinthians, can you imagine somebody saying this to you? He said, follow my example as I follow the M example of Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. I'm your inspiration. I'm the person who you get your benchmark from. And I want to say to you, you need that in your life. In fact, he goes on and says this, I praise you for remembering me in everything, for holding to the traditions just as I pass them on to you. Can I ask you, do you have anyone you look up to who inspires you? In fact, this template doesn't run just through church. It runs in your professional life, it runs in your, in your family life. It runs throughout all of your life. Are you the sort of person that says, nobody inspires me, I'm just feeding myself. And that person sometimes you need to be able to hold their hand instead of just see them on the internet. The second type of person you need in your life is a friend, encourager, fellow traveler, somebody you're walking with. Somebody who is comforting you and entrusting in you their friendship. In fact, that's what Hebrews 10:24 means, encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. A fellow traveler. I've noticed something about Christian marriages that often they're lonely. I've noticed about them that you've got your wife or you've got your husband and you don't need anybody else. And that isn't what the Scripture teaches. The Scripture teaches that we need each other to travel with us. Now, sure, as couples together, I don't think you should share anything that you wouldn't share with your wife. I don't think you need to form a relationship with people that's closer than your wife or your husband. I'm not saying that. But you need people to travel with you in your marriage. You know, parenting teenagers is difficult. Why don't you get a friend who's already done it? Or is doing it, and at least you can moan together. You need encouragement. You need a traveling friend. The last template or the last relationship in my relationship template is you need somebody that you're helping. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2 says, commit to faithful men and entrust to faithful men so that they may teach others also. One of the difficulties about Christians is is that we, we think that things are all about us receiving but who are you helping? Who's inspiring you? Who are you traveling with? Who are you inputting into? As you put that pattern into your life and you say, I need an inspirer. Sometimes they're authority where they draw lines in my life. I need some people around me who comfort me and encourage me and travel with me. And then I need somebody who I'm inputting into, who I'm helping, who I'm teaching, who I'm teaching to pray, who I'm teaching to read the Bible, who I'm teaching in my workplace. You need that in your life. And then you're going to learn to belong. Now I'm going to say something really serious. So if mom, if your baby's really, really upset, I want you just to take it to the mom's and baby's room because I need to talk to some people and break some curses. So if you you just be with me on that, that'd be great. Really appreciate you. Because I'm going to close the service and I'm going to tell you a story. A true story about breaking curses. Because God spoke to me this week about a serious way in which some people are not belonging. You see, the thing that we need is to understand in our relationships that it is about giving, but it's also about receiving. And some of us are not receiving because we believe some things about our family and our life. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, even though I'm going to carry, carry on just speaking just for a few more minutes. So if you'd like to just stand with me. I want to talk to you. I want to read you something about one of the characters in the bible by the way do you think it's fantastic that Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah isn't that great the lion of the tribe of Judah isn't that great Wouldn't you like to be called the Lion of the tribe of Ryan or your family? Revelation 5 verse 5. Nobody's worthy to unravel the scroll except the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Isn't that great? Have you ever read about Judah? Do you know what his story is? Let me tell you about Judah's story. This is what was said over him by Joseph, his dad. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemy. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah, and you will return from the prey, my son, like a lion he crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares to rouse him wouldn't you just like to be like this guy is anybody with me yeah the sceptre will not depart from judah nor the ruler's staff between his feet until he until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nations shall be his he will tether his donkey to a vine his colt to the choicest branch he will wash his garments in blood red wine and his robes in the blood of grapes and his eyes will be darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk when he comes what a blessing wouldn't you like to be in the lion of the tribe of Judah would you like that anybody yeah let me tell you Judah's story so Judah having weakly given in of selling his brother Joseph into slavery Judah then runs off and through his liaisons and his friend in the Canaanite land marries a Canaanite woman whose father is named Shua and with the Canaanite woman who is never named by the way he has three sons. Judah's first son is called Er, E-R. what a great name Er I don't know what to call you so I'll just call you that Er so Judah has Er Er is then, he, he's he got his son, and he says, I have to find a wife for her, and he finds her named Tamar. And Tamar comes along, and they're married to Ur, and before Tamar has, ha, can get into this marriage at all, the Lord looks at Ur and says, you're so wicked, I'm going to kill you. So Judah's firstborn son, Ur, is so wicked, he has three sons, Ur, Onan, and uh, a, a boy named Sheila, which sounds like an Australian Uh, name for a woman. So Ur is killed because he's so wicked. So Tamar, as the custom of the day, now a widow, is passed on to the second brother and the brother despises Tamar so much that he thinks, man, the children we have will never really be counted as mine. So he doesn't have relations with her properly. And this angers the Lord so much, this great lion of the tribe of Judah he angers him so much that the Lord kills Onan as well. So Judah's got two boys down and Shelah, his third son, is too young at the moment to be married. But according to custom and righteousness, Judah then promises Tamar that, he, that she can marry his third son. Although he makes a mental note and says out loud, mind you, he might be taken the same way as the others so and let me just step back and tell you that judah is not a good parent he's not bringing his children up in the fear and the knowledge of the lord so time goes on and sheila grows up and judah breaks his promise to tamar not to give her her son to her so that she can be legitimized as a woman in that culture and during this time, Judah's unnamed wife dies. He's grieving and he feels like he needs the comfort of the arms of a woman. So Tamar, who's in disguise as, as, a, as a lady of the night, Judah sleeps with her to get some comfort as, as a woman as a, who's a prostitute. But it's actually his daughter-in-law, Tamar. How you like him the line of the tribe of Judah now? So he sleeps. I like the line of the tribe of Judah. How do you like the tribe of Judah now? So he sleeps with his daughter-in-law. And of course, they're not blood-related. So it's just a generational thing. So it's all healthy and so on. And they have two sons, Perez and Zila and Zerah. And Perez has a son who has a son who has a son who has a son called Obed who has a son Called Jesse who has a son called David who then has sons and sons and sons and Jesus comes from Perez's line I want to ask you something how's your family what's your understanding of such and such a tribe or another tribe and or that person or that social status you see i know that whatever your family background god can still bring the redemption of the lion of the tribe of judah out of you because all of you see the end of the book but when you look at the start of the book he takes a messed up dysfunctional family and says i can redeem the world through you judah and whatever your family is you see I'm not talking to you today as if I am some theoretical person. I'm from the worst part of Stoke-on-Trent, the poorest part of Stoke-on-Trent, from a place called Feg Hayes with no dad, a mum who worked all the time, a latchkey kid, but God still had a plan for me, and he's got a plan for you. And you know, sometimes in Britain, the English don't like the Scottish. The Scottish don't like the Welsh. The Welsh don't like the English. And I don't know what it's like in your culture. Maybe you look over to some other tribe and say, they're not as good as my tribe. I want you to say, what well, God can do anything with any tribe. Come on, give him praise. Now, hear me. Some of you have been told that your tribe is cursed, your family is cursed, you're a waste of time, your social status, but I can tell you on the authority of Scripture, Genesis 38, if God can use Judah, He can use you. Come on, give Him praise. And so... In the name of Jesus, I break every curse over your tribe, over your heritage, over your gene pool, over your background, over your status, because God can bring the Lion of the tribe of Judah out of you. So say it with me. Break the curse, Lord. It's not part of me. Because if you stand the right side of the cross, if you stand in relationship of Jesus, and if you embrace the cross and live for Jesus, that's the most important thing. Not your family background, not your tribe, not your status, not your ethnicity, but Jesus Christ crucified for you the redeemed Son of God who is the Lion of the tribe of Judah who is going to save you, release you, and call you to purpose. Somebody give Him praise, He loves you today and so I say this to teach you that no matter your background, you can belong. You can be a part of something. Stop saying you're cursed. Stop saying your background is such. It's not. Because if God can use Judah, He can use me. Come on, let's give Him praise. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. Are there there some Nigerian tribes that that think they're worse or better than us? It's not true. Hey, can they hear an amen from all the Nigerians? It's not true. You see, you need to understand the Bible Kingdom culture. Are there some Malawian? Zimbabwean tribes, or you look sideways at others? Are there some Ghanaians? Are there some Scottish who say, I can't stand the English? Surely we need a different culture around here. Surely we need kingdom culture that says everybody's valuable. Everybody's loved. Everybody's worthy. Because Jesus died on the cross for every single person here. And I've kept you standing for this. I want you to break the curse over your life that says you're not worthy by this the blood of Jesus so will you lift your hands with me and will you ask the blood of Jesus on you your family, your destiny and your life Holy Spirit bring your freedom and I break the thought when people say I can't belong you can belong to church, to work, to family, to your street, to your world. God has redeemed you by the blood of the lamb. Come on, give him praise. We worship you. You know what? In this church, we don't even care whether you're from Dudley. We don't care. You're welcome. Smevik, we'll have you. Yardley, it's fine. It doesn't matter. I want you to be brave right now. If you've had, or you even think that your background is something that stops you belonging, I want you to come to the front and just bring it to God and say, I'm giving it to you. I'm living under the cross. Is that Okay. Who's the first? Do you be brave. you say, no, I'm, I'm bringing you that, God. If it was me, I would come right now. I'd bring all my stokiness. I'm, I'm proud of what my family is. But some of the things of the negativity in that city, I would bring it and say, I'm not saying I own it, but I'm just making sure I don't. Who, what about you? What about you bringing your tribe, your ethnicity to God and saying, God, I'm just giving it to you. Nothing's going to hinder me. You know, because the Bible says, He's redeemed us from the empty way of life that was often handed down for us. So I'm going to ask you to be brave. If you think your background sometimes is a hindrance to you, why don't you just bring it to God now? Well done. Who's next? You're just saying, I'm bringing you my family. I'm bringing you my background. I'm bringing you my ethnicity. I'm bringing you my purpose, my life.